future, talk radio will actually educate, inspire, and make you think. The future is now. Topics and music that affect your life from Universal Broadcasting Network. Tune in at ubnradio.com. She's passionate about telling stories of amazing women who are rocking the world and empowering women to live, love, and thrive. Here's your host, Katherine Gray. Hi, welcome to Live, Love, Thrive Women's Empowerment Hour, brought to you by 360karma.com. You know, every week we have on fascinating women, and if you don't want to miss any of our shows, please subscribe to us on YouTube, or of course, you can follow us on your favorite podcast, whether it's iHeart or iTunes or one of your faves. Okay, so today... We have on an amazing L.A. producer, Conroy Cantor. She has a big movie coming out called Traffic with Ashley Judd, and we're going to talk about that. Uh, later in the show, we're talking with Rebecca Safardi of Students for Students, which is also known as Bruin Shelter, and they help uh, house uh, homeless college students, and we're going to talk about the great work that they're doing. But first up, please give a warm welcome to Conroy Cantor. Hi, Conroy. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me today. Oh, you bet. I mean, the work that you're doing is so important. So we have to talk about this uh, sex trafficking that is just getting out of hand, not only uh, in the world at large, but uh, even here in the United States. And we're going to talk about that because that's a sad state of affairs and something I, I want to talk about, you know. How do we shed light on it and how do we eradicate it? But first I want to talk to you about uh, the beginnings of your journey to this big project. Okay. Uh, so this project, um, uh, how did you get into this realm? I know you and I talked about, uh, you were born in Mississippi. Yes, I right? was. You're yes. a Southern girl. I'm a Southern girl. Yeah. Now so, I'm a Southern California girl. Right, right. <laughs> well, me too. I was a Southern girl. Uh, I grew up in Virginia, which is mm -hmm. considered the South, of course, but I did grow up right outside D.C., so not like Deep South, but, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm I'm a city girl, you know, I did D.C., Miami, New York, and L.A., so I'm definitely a city girl, but when you say Virginia, I think people think of, like, rural. They do. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But that's okay. But, we like that. Yeah. We so, can do both. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And uh, we both grew up on fried chicken. Yep. Yep. Yep, I cornbread, black yep. eyed peas. Yeah, your grandmother was a great cook. You mentioned like mine. Yes. Yeah, and I have a beautiful garden because I think every Southern girl grows tomatoes. Yeah, yeah. So come out. Yeah, I have oh, a lot great. of tomatoes this yeah. year. I said uh, it's so funny that you went from from total carbs to California, <laughs> like night know, and day, right? The way they eat in the South, the way they eat here in California. That's true. Thank goodness. Yes. <laughs> yes. Indeed. We needed that. Yeah. And uh, I know in your, uh, in your past, you were a model. Ah, uh, uh, yes. Yeah, me too. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, maybe in another life I was. Uh, but you were a model in uh, mostly athletic wear, right? Athletic wear. Yeah. And I traveled the world. I lived in Munich, Germany. And, wow. you know, it really just, you know, fed my soul for traveling and seeing different cultures. Yeah. And now that is really helping as I am traveling around and seeing shelters that are helping traffic yeah. girls. I just got back from Nepal, wow. Kathmandu, and I met with a shelter there and um, met survivors. And I didn't know what to expect, mm -hmm. but there's so much hope in their eyes. They're not shut down. That's incredible. They want to help free other girls. Well, let me ask you this. What do you think drew you to this topic? I know you shared with me 
in your youth that your uh, parents divorced at 12 mm-hmm. and that you basically hadn't seen your dad since then, right? I haven't. That's yeah. true. And I, I only mention that because I think there'll be people tuning in that'll say, oh my God, that's my story. And I like to relate to that, that, you know, here's someone who, you know, this is, this is the challenge you had mm-hmm. as a kid. Your dad left. And I know that must have been painful and hard. And, uh, but you have turned it into a good thing. Like you've, you know, taken those wounds and put them into something that is now making such a difference. Would you say, obviously, I feel like there's a tie to that? You know, I didn't even think about it until we were talking about it. I mean, I was raised by a single mom. Um, It wasn't easy for her, but, you know, we did it. And I learned to, as, you know, people do help, um, but you need to stand on your own two feet. And we need to empower ourselves and know that we are worthy. You know, people, Mm -hmm. for some reasons, do what they do. Some dads leave, some dads stay. And, you know, mine didn't. And... It turned out okay. It made right. me push a little bit harder, I think. Right. right. And um, now I'm working with young girls that don't have mothers or fathers. Right. So, so I mean, you know, if you have one good parent, I think you're going to be okay. But right. if you don't, they need us. They need the community to help. Right. And to teach our children, other people are not to be bought. Teach our sons. When you're going off on a crazy vacation whether it's a bachelor party people aren't to be bought right and we need to teach them that yeah that's definitely a good lesson yeah so back to your modeling days for just a minute because it sounded like an extraordinary career and a great experience for you um what about uh was there any uh situations that you had to ward off you know bad things i mean i would think that that I've, i've heard that that's a tough career for for that you know people did you have that situation? You know, I was very fortunate, and oh, I don't good. know if it's guardian angels watching mm-hmm. me, because mm-hmm. I do think we have those. I do, too. Um, but in our movie, there is a scene of a young girl who goes for a modeling audition right. or shoot, right. and she gets taken. Right. And I've heard a lot of those stories. Yeah. They happen. You know, predators will find a way. Yeah. If they find someone weak or someone who, you know, doesn't have a good support system or a good family support right. system. Runaway right. girls. Right. Girls in the foster care system. Right. Um, and this happened. We show this in our movie. But yes. fortunately, fortunately for me, that never happened. I had good agents and managers and traveling with your team with my team and I you know I really didn't have a problem thank goodness oh that's great yes it was it was actually a wonderful time to spend my early 20s traveling around the world yeah what a great opportunity yeah it's wonderful to have an opportunity to travel I know I love traveling it's nice to see different cultures and Mm -hmm. learn about everything it opens your heart and mind up and uh, I, I, you know, I think everybody at some point should travel the world and learn about other cultures. I think that's one of the barriers in this country is if you never leave your hometown, mm-hmm. you never feel connected to the rest of the world. And we all are one and we should that's take true. care of each other as one. Right. Yes. I, I feel like that would help start helping eradicate this problem is everyone teaching, take, uh, treating everyone as a as a human being and a mm-hmm. soul. Mm-hmm. Like you said, nobody should be bought. Uh, on that note, uh, I think we should run that clip, Tony, of um, uh, uh, it's a little piece of the trailer. Okay. Yeah. So Lovely. it gives people an idea of what this movie is about and how powerful it is.
birthday, Sarah. Sarah, you've aged out of foster care. When would I have to leave? And the state law is that you have to leave tomorrow. You know there's nothing out there for girls like me. Enjoy. So, I, it doesn't take more than 30 seconds of that uh, uh, trailer to realize how uh, chilling this movie is, uh, yeah. how powerful. And um, I, by the time I watch the whole trailer, which anybody can watch, uh, I guess, is it on YouTube or where can they find the trailer? They can find it on our website, trafficmovie.com. Trafficmovie.com. Yes. And I know we have that URL up under you. Um, so, Ashley Judd is in it. Yes. Uh, Ann Archer, Patrick Duffy, you have some really key acting players in it. Um, and it just mentioned in that clip about kids leaving the foster care. Mm -hmm. And I know you had mentioned to me that something like 87% of foster kids uh, are subjected to some sort of um, sexual abuse. That's what yeah. I have been told, mm -hmm. um, one of the statistics. And 87%? I mean, that's 100% in my book. Oh, yeah, exactly. It's horrific. That's horrific. That's horrific. Um, what can we do to start helping foster kids? Uh, I, I know there's one program called, uh, I think it's called On the Spotlight or Spotlight, uh, that is um, taking in foster kids. I believe it's in Venice, California. Mm -hmm. And uh, they help them make a movie about their life. And it's very cathartic. Mm. Isn't that cool? That's cool. Yeah. I'd like to yeah. be involved in that. Right. I'll and put you in touch. That would be wonderful. And yeah. I know Kamala Harris, that is one of her um, points of rebuilding our, our foster care system because mm -hmm. it's broken. Yes. And we need yeah. to... Senator Kamala Harris, yes. who's just amazing. She's really the talk of the Democratic Party right now, isn't She's she? She's fantastic. She is yes. fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the first... Uh, I think the first female black uh, attorney, state attorney in the country at one time. Uh, so she's really done a lot of firsts, and she's she's a real trailblazer. That's true. Yeah, that's true. I saw her speak at a um, symposium on sex trafficking at UCLA oh. a couple of years ago, and she's a powerhouse. And you know, we need to get behind her, and we all need to do something. Right. You know, the whole 360 Karma conversation here every week and on my in my community uh, is that if we would get more women in okay. positions of influence mm -hmm. the world would be a better place yeah and that's why it must be our goal as men and women to empower more women to be at the decision-making table whether it be in Congress or Senate or at the top of uh, companies you know, we're only 5% of the CEOs in tech companies. We're mm -hmm. only a small percentage of the scientists, only a small percentage of every industry of uh, high management decision-making. We should be at 50%, yes. but not just for the sake of having women there, but for the perspective they bring to the table. Like you're saying, you know, she's fighting for this human uh, trafficking, sex trafficking. Mm -hmm. um, so if we have more people like that, uh, fighting to change these things that that's what's going to change them don't you think i do and yeah. it takes one person and then another person another and the snowball effect right you know if we come together we can make a difference and that's the only way to make change right why do you think ashley judd uh took this role in your movie did she express why well she was um uh 
going to Harvard, getting her master's degree, and mm -hmm. she met my partner, Professor Siddharth Kara, mm -hmm. and they spoke, and um, she believes in uh, giving back and helping, you know, mm -hmm. give a voice to the voiceless, mm -hmm. and we gave her um, a, a choice of which part to play. I don't want to give you a spoiler alert, but mm -hmm. she was fantastic. And, yeah, yeah we know, saw a little clip of it of her in yes. that trailer. Yeah. Yes. No, she's fantastic, and she is a voice for the voiceless. Yes, and I think uh, I think I had read that she had had some, you know, challenging situations in this arena that probably propelled her to want to help women. I think this is a true. as most people do. Most people are doing their their work because of some something some challenge or obstacle they had in their life mm -hmm. that led them to want to help. That's what I usually find. There's some connection there. So that some good comes out of something that wasn't so good. There you go. Right? Wonderful. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yes. Um, so uh, people can see this film in the, st in the uh, theaters in October. In October. Yeah. Um, October 5th, United Nations is hosting our New York premiere. Oh my gosh. Now they have done this for one other film, Hotel Rwanda. Wow. And so they are hosting us um, in their 600-seat theater at the United Nations building October 5th. And then we will open in theaters around the country October 6th. Oh, that's exciting. So And exciting. I take it the UN is involved because, uh, as the trailer said, this is a $100 billion industry. That's, that's just mind-blowing. And... Mm -hmm. Uh, more than 30 million people are trafficked. I, I, I believe that might even be an underestimation, do you think? I don't know. Well, I, I'm sure it is. I mean, yeah. you know, after traveling in Not these that 30 million isn't enough. No, I mean, and, and there are over 100,000 here in the United States. And that's what drew me to this project was not in my bubble. Well, guess what? I've read the screenplay, I've read the book, I've done research on my own. It's in everybody's bubble. It may not happen to your child, but it could. And it shouldn't happen right. to any child. Could happen to your child, could happen to a family friend, yes. could happen to a cousin or a relative, and probably has. I mean, not trafficking, yeah. but sexual abuse. I mean, oh, it's so prevalent, yeah. like one in four. Yeah, but this trafficking is so grim. You know, it's one of the things that's always been near and dear to my heart. I know you got involved in this project by reading the book. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, which book was it? It was um, Professor Kara's book, um, Inside the uh, Modern Inside the Business of Modern Day Slavery, yeah. and this is his third book mm -hmm. on human trafficking. So, and some people might wonder how you got into producing this. Uh, huge Hollywood film, because not a lot of women are involved in ho in Hollywood. It's hard to be a producer-director in, in the, as a female uh, in this arena. Um, and you started off like really the hard way, like you um, kind of fell into it. You were uh, explaining to me that you started off, uh, you fell into being a location scout. That's kind of right. by default. Someone's like, hey, can you find these locations? And you're like, yes, I can. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly yeah. what happened. You know, I think when one door closes, another door opens or a window gets cracked open. And um, a friend asked me to help find locations and in Malibu. And I don't have a problem asking because I feel like if you don't ask, the answer is no. Right. So once I got that under my belt, then I did a few more. And, you know, then you start asking for money. Then you start asking. Yeah. And that's pretty much. And you evolve as a producer. You evolve as a producer. Yeah. And I look at it as putting a giant puzzle together. So you put the outline first. You put all the corner pieces together. And yeah. then you start filling in the, yeah. 
the pieces, pieces and you know once you do it once, twice, three times, um, you get your team together. And mm -hmm. I am finding women in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm a member of Women in Film, and we are a powerhouse. Oh, absolutely. Women in Film actually has uh, just gotten behind, partnered with us on my conference, which is in November. Great. Live, Love, Thrive, Women's yes. Empowerment Conference that I do with the city of West Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And I'm so happy uh, Women in Film just joined forces with us. They were with us last year, and they just joined forces this year. So I'm excited about that. Um, you know, women in film is powerful. But if you look at the movies overall, mm -hmm. uh, it's something like five to five percent or something are, are directed yeah. by women still. Yeah. So that that's where I meant. We have some room to. We to do. Grow there. We yeah. do have room yeah. to grow. And, and in television uh, directing and whatnot also. But uh, we are definitely it's entities like women in film that are helping to change that. That's right. That's for sure. Yeah. And so your first film was called the. The cake, the, the one that you oh. did the location scouts oh, for? Oh, cake. Cake. A wedding comedy yeah. where it was the Murphy Laws of wedding. So everything that could go wrong did. We shot at Calamigos Ranch. They were very generous. And we basically put on a wedding with 85 cast members. And, oh, my gosh. How fun. You know, to the Far cry from this movie, huh? Yes. So you started in comedy yeah. and then ended up moving into this very, you know, I chilling did. topic. Of well, I started comedy and then I did a... Um, uh, thriller, more of an exorcism movie, good versus evil. So uh -huh. I've run the gamut. You have. But now that I've done a movie that tackles a social issue, mm -hmm. that's what I want to do what from here on out. That's right. what speaks to me. It's my calling. Right. Because you're not just a producer, you're an activist, so it kind of marries the two. That's true. I love that. I, I've always been a big fan of documentary for that very reason, because I'm mm -hmm. an activist for sure. Yes. And, uh, and I find movies, documentaries, television are very powerful to how do we change things and how do we educate people mm -hmm. on topics. That's true. I say without film and without television, uh, where would we be in the world? Uh, but it's so important to educate people on things that they don't think are in their sphere. That's right. Yeah. So that's why it's so important. So uh, I think it seems like you're your background in modeling, in acting, I know you did some theater, yes. uh, and, and then the, the scouting, uh, all of those tools, don't you find it always comes together to help you for what you're meant to do in the long run? Like life is like a puzzle. It and, is. And, yeah, and yes. so all of those skills that you honed help you now to be this great producer doing this big film coming out at the theaters. It must be so exciting to have your, your film, your feature film coming out with these amazing actors yes. at the major theaters in October. How, I mean, you must just be on cloud nine. Um, I, you know, I don't want to get too excited until I'm at the theater, but I know it's happening. Yeah. And we have Epic's Picture Group is our distributor here in the United States. And, you know, I just think if... If someone else can do it, why can't I? Yeah, I and always keep think that pushing for I really yeah. that's, yeah, that's how a great I live attitude. My life. Yeah. Keep pushing. Everybody should have that attitude. If other people can do it, why can't I? I love that. That's that's so true. And let's talk a little bit about the people uh, that are portrayed in the movie cuz is this based on uh, like you've traveled to some of these places. So, mm -hmm. uh, the storyline really uh, is so true to life, isn't it? So true to life that when we had a special screening with the Mayor Sylvester Turner in Houston, Texas, they are really on the forefront with their um, sex trafficking task force. So that he had us come, this 
six months ago, mm -hmm. and they had a panel discussion, and they had a few um, NGOs on board, and one of the women said, you have no idea how true this is, and told a story of a girl who was in a brothel outside of Houston, Texas, that had escaped, and thank good sh goodness she did, because she escaped in a way that, you know, you'll see in our movie. There's another spoiler alert. I don't want to do it. Yeah. Um, and But a young girl in that brothel had tried to escape the same way a month before, and she was shot in front of all the other girls. Oh so just to take a leap of faith and know if I don't get out of here. And can you believe that is happening in, this in country. our country? And not only in this country, right here in our backyards. Yes. I mean, I've heard... Believe it or not, I've heard Ventura. I've heard mm -hmm. out by, um, out by the in the desert. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, this is crazy. If we know it exists in these areas, we should be able to eradicate this. I feel some sometimes that people must be protecting this system. I think if it's a hundred billion dollar company, I mean, excuse me, a hundred billion dollar industry, um, people are being paid off to put this under the carpet. And yeah. it's too much money, and it's the demand. Yeah. If you take away the demand, you take away the business. Right, and that's, and that's what we where need we have to, to change the yes. culture of men. They should not pay for services, and they should not participate in this. If they wouldn't participate, it wouldn't exist. This is true, and yeah. there's no such thing as a child prostitute. Right, and this is a learning curve for everyone, from yeah. police to. Yeah. Um, uh, shelters, these are children. You know, I'm sure listeners must feel the same way I do when I think about or talk about sex trafficking because it just sickens me, mm -hmm. uh, is what can we do about it? What would you, having made this amazing movie about the topic, that you're, you're getting the message out there of, that this exists, what, what would you suggest to people that they could do to feel like they're doing something to help eradicate it? I think this is a call to action, and there is a hotline with the Human Traffic National Human Trafficking Resource Center, and I believe you're going to put that number up. Uh, do we have that we number? We do Tony? have the number. It's a hotline. Um, if you see something that looks suspicious, then it probably is. Right. We have these feelings. Yes. Act on them. If you want to help, there's a organization right here in Los Angeles, Saving Innocence, mm -hmm. and they work with the Los Angeles Sex Trafficking Division, so when they have a bust, they send in caseworkers to take these young children and decompress them and put them in a safe house and find out their story and see where they can help. And I just want to leave on a positive note, and that is that you said uh, that you see hope in these girls when you've had the chance to yes. meet them face to face and that you were surprised by that but that that uh, that that was refreshing to see that they're not broken that they you they there is hope in their eyes and that they can be helped after I think our goal is to stop it from happening in the first place but also let's do things to help the girls that this has happened to so that that's not their story for the rest of their life. Like, let's give them hope. And so what kind of organization would we be able to reach out to to help women that have been in that, in that realm? Well, there's so many, and so many to list. I mean, there's demand abolition. But, you know, start with the Human Trafficking Resource 
um, website and do your homework. There's so many organizations in every city around the world. Do your homework, reach out, do something. And don't say, well, it's not in my bubble, world. so I'm not going to worry about it. Yeah. It is. These are children of the world, and everyone needs help. Absolutely. I think we'll leave on that note. Thank you for what you're doing. I can't wait to see the movie. I'm glad it's put, being out there. If it wasn't for you, it wouldn't be out there. So thank you for doing that. Thank you. And we will be right back to talk to Rebecca Safardi about Students for Students. Thank you for tuning in to the Live, Love, Thrive show, where we bring you powerful and positive programming about women and those who support women's empowerment. It seems by sharing their stories and showing us their talent and potential, they remind us of our own. We ask you to join us weekly by taking a minute to subscribe to our 360 Karma YouTube channel so you get to see every episode of these uplifting and inspiring stories. We all need more of this, yes? And did you know we have the Live, Love, Thrive book on our 360 Karma website and on Amazon? If you enjoy reading books of incredible women who are doing amazing work in the world, you will want to pick up a copy. Also, when you join 360karma.com, you will enjoy our growing video content of expert advice and support and learn about our workshops and our second annual Women's Conference in West Hollywood, November 3rd and 4th of this year. If you would like to align with a like-minded, purpose-driven community, you will feel at home at 360karma.com. We encourage and support you to live the life you love. RTB Financial Group empowers women to raise the bar and take control of their financial future. For more information, visit rtbfinancialgroup.com or call Amanda Barr at 424-284-4216. The Live, Love, Thrive program is brought to you in part by Honda of downtown Los Angeles, supporting the equality and empowerment of women. And we are back with Rebecca Safardi. Hi there. Hi. So good to be on the show. You I'm so happy to have you here. I just love this organization that you're working with, uh, which is Students for Students, but actually the website is BruinsShelter.com. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, excuse me, BruinShelter.org. Dot org. Yes, yeah. correct. Nonprofit, of course. Um, and, and you guys basically help students that um, are college students that are homeless. Mm -hmm. And I think, uh, you know, this is an interesting topic because um, I don't know that people really thought about uh, that college students are homeless. You yeah. Know? I think it's kind of uh, a taboo that, that people didn't even realize it. So I know I didn't tell somebody brought it to my attention, really. And uh, my partner, Deborah, uh, got involved with uh, the SAM Initiative, Mindy Freeman's organization right. that helps fund nonprofits. They, they get women together and they pool their money and then they decide who they're going to give the money to. Mm -hmm. And I know they picked your organization. They did, yes. Um, so exciting. Yeah, it is exciting. <laughs> and and thank, thank goodness for uh, groups like that that help fund wonderful nonprofits like yourself. Yeah. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit about uh, how this organization got started. But first, we want to learn a little bit about you, Rebecca, and how you got involved with uh, Students for Students. And uh, I know you were telling me that, just like my guest earlier, that you're a Southern girl. Yes, yep, I am. From, I'm Atlanta. from Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I detect the Southern a little bit. But yeah, the biggest thing is just how you say Atlanta, because oh. like people not from the city will say Atlanta, yeah. but if you're from Atlanta, you never say the second T. 
Oh, so you know, it's, yeah, it's just Atlanta. at Lana. Yeah. Atlanta. Yeah. <laughs> there Did you I got go. It? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Good to know. Uh, so how was it growing up in Atlanta? Atlanta. <laughs> um, great. You know, I think it's a perfect mixture of the like metropolitan city and the sort of charming old south uh, southern hospitality. And people always ask me, you know, coming to L.A., moving here, if it's really different. And I, it wasn't a big transition at all. It, it's uh, Atlanta, in a lot of ways, is like a southern Los Angeles. You know, the city's broken up into a lot of different neighborhoods, yeah. lots of arts and culture and that sort of thing. So, yeah. I, I, you know, I've lived in four different cities, and I always say there's good people everywhere. Mm -hmm. And once you find them and create your community, it feels like home. Right. Right? It absolutely does. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I, I, so you've made this home now. Mm -hmm. You go to UCLA. You're UCLA. A I'm going to be a senior. It's yeah. it's weird to say. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. frightening. <laughs> it's frightening and exciting all yeah. at the same time. Absolutely. Right? And so uh, you were telling me you went to, you grew up in kind of privilege. You went to a private school. Mm -hmm. But the cool thing about them, they were very cutting edge, is they had you all do community service. Yeah. So they, it's uh, the Paideia School. It's like in it, in Atlanta. And uh, it's very community Did service you say oriented. Did there? I might have. I might have. You've been in um, LA too long. I've been in LA too long. And, uh, we don't say the second L, Los Angeles. <laughs> but it was it was great. They had us do community service. Um, like when we were in elementary, you would go out and uh, go to, we cooked at food, um, like homeless uh, shelters, and we oh gosh, cooked at wow. like different food banks and that sort of thing. Um, and then in soup kitchens. And then your senior year or your junior year, you have to do 60 hours of community service. So doing that, I really realized that that was something that was really important to me and I was felt yeah, really passionate about. That's great your school did that because mm -hmm. uh, had you not been uh, you know, exposed to that, you yeah. might not be doing what you're doing today. Absolutely. I mean, I, mean, yeah. I think that most people, um, more people than not, like nonprofit work and like volunteering, a lot of people, it's just they're not really exposed to it and they haven't done it yeah. more so than maybe like, you know, cleaning up a park for yeah. two hours one afternoon for something. So and, and then when you graduated, you said they had they, they part of the program was you went to the retirement homes. Yeah. So yeah. Well, part of my 60 hours is that I worked at a um, home for yeah a retirement home for specifically patients with uh, experiencing dementia or Alzheimer's. Mm. And so I worked with patients there and played like memory games and Aww. worked with them. And that was a that was really rewarding. And I think that that's a really cool thing that volunteering and service can do is connect you with people that you definitely wouldn't interact with normally on a day to day basis as a student. I think that is a, a beautiful thing, especially when you do move to a new city and you mm -hmm. don't know anybody. That's great advice. Is It's such a good way to get involved and get yeah. to know people and people yeah. that are good. You know, if you want to yes. find good people, like you said, yes. you're going to find them in service. Absolutely. You find like minded people, good people. And, and plus, it's fun. It's, mm -hmm. and, and the most rewarding thing about volunteering is you think you're giving of your time to be of service, but really, it gives so much more back to you. Yeah. I mean, that is the 360 karma of life is yeah. that, you know, you are getting back what you're putting out. Mm -hmm. So you're volunteering. There's really nothing more rewarding than and helping other people. Yeah, I, I never yeah. feel, I always feel like I'm in my best possible headspace when, yeah. you know, I was in high school doing this or I'm working yeah. with Bruin Shelter. So at UCLA, what are you studying? I study English and film. Oh, okay. Yeah. So 
uh, like Conroy? Are you going to get into filmmaking? In yeah, a, you know? I, I think I'm interested in yeah. filmmaking. I'm interested in how we can intersect entertainment um, and service. And right. so that's something I'm definitely interested in, like sort of entertainment with like a purpose, with a cause, um, because... You know, I love I love all sorts of TV shows and everything, and everything's therapeutic. But I also like the idea of making something that also truly like helps people, or you know, right. teaches about something that's sort of hidden. One of the most rewarding the mo- uh, one of the most rewarding things I've done in my life was uh, as a documentary filmmaker was to make the first film about gay marriage, because I got to see how it impacted society and how you know it's in college. You know, mm-hmm. archives now, libraries, and uh, and now how uh, the laws have changed, and you know, feeling like a part of helping uh, make a difference and, and helping to change things. Yeah. And so uh, I love using film for that purpose, whether it's a documentary or a feature film or TV. If it's a program that has something to do about social change or social justice. There's something really rewarding about that. Yeah. I could definitely see you doing that. I think, oh, thank you. Yeah. I think there's a lot of power in exposure. There's a lot of power in just giving a voice to something that hasn't been heard. And I think that, that that's been a really cool thing with Bruin Shelter is that, the as you said earlier, like the student homelessness isn't something you really think about. You know, a lot of times when we present our cause, people don't even realize that that's an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's something really powerful about bringing voice to something that's previously been invisible. You know what? Not for nothing. I'm not putting you on the spot here, but But. I think that you should make a documentary about (laughs) this organization and Louis to say, how do you say his last name? C. Louis C. Who started Students for Students, the Bruin Shelter. This is an incredible story. I want you to tell it now. We want to talk about how this organization got started with him. Uh, but wouldn't that make a great documentary? Oh, I mean, you yes. You should make that, if girl. I- <laughs> you should make this film. I'm telling you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, if I, can, if I can fit in time before graduation, that would be a really yeah, good or project. Or after, <laughs> But um, so let's talk about Lewis. He started this organization. How did this begin? So he had this idea um, in college and in graduate school, um, he was a gra- he just graduated. He was a graduate student at UCLA or getting his PhD, and um, you know the rising cost of tuition is is really staggering. Mm-hmm. If uh, tuition, if car prices raised at the same rate that tuition prices did, like a Honda Civic would cost eighty thousand dollars. Really? Yeah, that's like wow. a that's an actual statistic from. Um, one of our like organizations that we work with, but yeah, it has gotten out of hand. It's gotten really out of hand, and so um, college should be for everyone. It really right? should. It really should. So yeah. he, when he was there, he had this realization. I, I think it was seeing students uh, sleeping out at night, like by the libraries. Um, also, just reading about the cause, he realized that there are people. You know, it's bad enough when you're just struggling to make rent and you are struggling to pay your, you know, student loans and that sort of thing. But it's a whole other ballgame when you don't have a place to stay. Right. Um, And so he had this idea for a student-run homeless shelter. And um, he got the idea from Harvard uh, Y2Y shelter. So Harvard University is the only other school um, in the country that has a student-run homeless shelter. Um, But their homeless shelter is for uh, homeless 
people out on the street. So you, you don't have to be a student. It's often older people, mm -hmm. more, uh, it's a traditional shelter. Where yours is for the students. Yeah, where Lewis saw that there was a unique need where homeless students, uh, college students, often have very different needs than um, an older homeless person maybe living on the street. If a, you know, if a homeless students often are living on campus or sometimes living on the street but living in cars. They have very different sets of needs. So in order to best sort of fit that, uh, make a shelter specifically for homeless students, which had never been done before. Now, this is a story I heard. Mm -hmm. Is that, uh, And we all know he graduated. He's a rocket scientist mm -hmm. now for like an JPL, yeah. Right, So, uh, which is uh, The Jet Propulsion NASA, right? Laboratory. Yeah, yeah. so wow. that's in Pasadena. So this is a smart guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I understood that he had rent for an apartment or mm -hmm. a place, um, and he instead used that to rent a place that he could put up ten, about eight or ten students, and he slept in his car so that they could have shelter. Yeah. This is how this began, right? So it's pretty incredible. So yeah, most of his, when he was staying in his car, it was um, all the sort of leading up to the shelter. So he realized, okay, if I'm going to, you know, figure out this shelter space, I need to raise money for it myself. And, you know, between student loans, rent, everything like that, who, who has enough money for that, especially when you're a 20-something college right. student? Um, and he realized that the one thing he could kind of do that would kind of help and also, uh, you know, really teach him about the experience of experiencing homelessness is he could, uh, you know, put up some money, save some money by staying in his car. Um, and, I mean, he is he's just really, really incredible, the most modest, uh, giving guy um, also yeah. ridiculous. Just a really fun guy. Yeah. So you know, it's it, you it's tear a story humble. and you pick some. You picture someone very serious and intense, and he's like full of life and yeah. always a joking around. But it, yes, like you would never guess it, but he he was doing that for about two years, um, and uh, before the you know shelter kind of came up, yeah. and now you know with grants and everything. It's more self-sufficient. We're, you know, relying on outside donations, mm -hmm. um, you know, volunteer donations. Yeah, I call people like him angels on earth. <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah, he's and the now, saint. You were telling me how you found out about this organization is uh, there's some sort of directory at the school and you and he got up and talked about this was coming and you thought, oh, you know that that's probably not going to yeah. happen anytime soon yeah I I literally remember thinking you know great idea I'll believe it when I see it you know and I, by he, the next fall he had started it mm -hmm, yeah, yeah it so he had goosebumps. totally proved me proved me wrong he came yeah. to uh there's a there's a big umbrella of organizations at UCLA uh UCLA has over like 1200 organizations and so uh, at least over a hundred of them fall under the sort of community service umbrella, probably even more than that. And um, so there's an entire commission of these organizations kind of banding together. Um, so there's that directory. It's called the Campus Service Commission. And um, and so he came and spoke on one of my clubs for um, dealing with uh, student uh, food insecurity. So that's another thing. There's all these little minute issues that especially me coming from private school coming to UCLA not really worrying about you know my, you know tuition was something that my parents were worrying about it wasn't something I was concerned with so the idea of students when I first came you know struggling to have their next meal and struggling to pay for food uh, was really shocking and that's how I got involved in this club called Swipe Out Hunger and then when he came and spoke and was saying 
you know, this is happening and also some students don't even have a place to stay. That was really staggering, too. Right. And you said, I want to help. And mm-hmm. So as soon yeah. as he launched it, you were in there. I was right on board. Exactly. And now explain to people what the shelter does right now. You you have you house people and feed them breakfast and dinner as well. So yes. it's not just shelter. Yes. It's also food. And yeah. We like yeah. to call the shelter like a home. It's like a home away from home. Um, you know, it's a it's a safe place where students can stay. Mm-hmm. And so we're based out of Santa Monica. And we're a non-religious um, organization, but we are uh, the this Lutheran church, uh, Mount Olive in Santa Monica, was generous enough to give us this space. Um, oh, they have this great. lofted area, and it's can uh, the shelter sort of uh, four separate rooms, and then we're able to use their larger rec room as well, um, and then also we're able to use their kitchen. And so, uh, the residents come in at seven, around seven every night. And then um, they're just, uh, we were closed for the day, but um, they leave in the morning. And so we give them a hot dinner. And then in the morning, we give them um, breakfast and usually like a little snack pack for the day with food as well. So right now you all are uh, housing like about eight or 10 students. So, yeah, so uh, we just finished our pilot season. We finished our pilot season in the spring and um, we had uh, 10 beds. So we had 10 residents that could, up to 10 residents that could stay mm-hmm. there. Um, but right now we're actually closed for renovations so that we can put in three more beds and showers oh, so that um, students will be able to shower at the shelter at well. But let me well. ask you this. Yes. Uh, there must be a, a bigger demand than what you all are doing. Oh, so yeah. uh, if people went to BruinShelter.org, if, if some big donor or somebody really wanted to get behind this, uh, there's how many h- homeless students just at UCLA alone? You know, it's a really hard number to pin down. Um, but if it was a guesstimation. Yeah, the the latest estimate from uh, a UCLA economic crisis response team, it was anywhere between, I think it was uh, either 25 or 50 to 300. Yeah, so, so it could be as many as 300. So it's, yeah, yeah it's kind of remarkable how And that's just unable, at UCLA. And that's just at UCLA. Yeah, forget all I the mean, other colleges in the area. The, I mean, the most sort of staggering statistics we bring out are that um, in the California community college system, um, an LA Times report, je- this was really recent, about a month ago, reported that one in five community college students in California this past year um, reported, uh, on, on average, reported experiencing homelessness and housing insecurity. And then also there was a study done through the Cal State uh, University system, so not the UCs, not UCLA, but um, the state system. So out of there, I think they have 22 schools or 20 schools, um, one in 10 students there were experiencing it. And I'm so glad we're having this conversation because I think it's not on people's radar. They're not Mm -mm. aware of it. Uh, They probably are not aware of BruinShelter.org and that they could help these students. and I think it's just us. We need to get the word out there. We do. And we need to expand this. One thing I love that you all are doing is you're creating um, a, a program where you can actually share what you all are doing with other schools around the country. Mm-hmm. So if there is somebody at a, another school, they could actually contact you all and, and get a layout of the program you've created uh, something that you can send over to them yeah. that lays out exactly what you all are doing. And yeah. I think that's a beautiful start of how to expand this uh, funding and then having to share a successful program. Right. Yeah, we've we've made a open source guidebook is what we call it. 
Um, and y- we've had, you know, schools express interest. That's kind of the hope is that we don't want to be the only Bruin shelter. You know, it can have another name, but we, we don't want to be the only one of our kind. Right. We want them to be everywhere. I mean, right. ideally, we don't want this to be a problem, but while it still exists, we need to do something. Yeah, it sounds you know? like a big problem. Yeah. Um, what are some specific stories that you could share with us? Right. Um, I mean, it's just all been a really incredible experience. I remember on um, on our first night opening the shelter, uh, one of the residents had just had a birthday. So we actually brought out a cake. Um, and that was just a sort of really, really incredible experience being with these people that, you know, a lot of there's so many hands working like on the Bruin Shelter project. So I was surrounded by people that I'd been working with for months. And then finally we had our residents that were, you know, they were finally there. It was materialized. And, and Are what you the we director were, there? I, so I'm social media director. I'm on the board of directors. Uh-huh. And, um, and so the board is comprised of about 15 students. That, oh, um, that's right. Managed. It's all that's students for students. It's mm-hmm. all run by students. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, and I think yeah. that's the really incredible thing too is that you realize that these are all just students. This could be me. This could be any per any one person. Mm-hmm. Because I think, especially on the issue of homelessness, we make assumptions about people's lives or, you know, maybe how they got to where they are. Mm-hmm. And you just really realize when you're interacting directly with that community that they're so. It, it just could really be anyone. Right. And you connect with people on the level of being students and not mm-hmm. being, you know, just a fellow young person. And right. so, yeah, it's, it's been a really humbling experience for sure. Uh, or, and just to relate to the uh, interview earlier uh, about foster kids, uh, are, are there foster kids in that system? So they're, they're definitely, um, that is definitely a makeup of the homeless student population. Uh, a lot of times we find that uh, homeless students are people that don't, they either don't sort of have family life, so there may be a, stu- a person that is aged out of the foster care system, um, or they're, um, unfortunately, a lot of times homeless youth are LGBT mm-hmm. and uh, have not received support from their family or been kicked out of their right. home. Right. So that's, no, that's, very prevalent. that's a part of, uh, that's yeah. a significant portion of the population as well. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, since you're hands-on there and you're you're there interacting with the students, uh, what has been some of the feedback? Um, it must be very rewarding. It must because mm-hmm. they feel it gives them a sense of family, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's been it's been really great because it it's hard because we can't uh, we can't house every single person that yeah, applies. Yeah, has got to be tough. Which is a really really hard thing. But um, in the past year, we've helped over 25 young people find housing so we've housed uh you know 10 residents for when you six say, months when you say yeah. help them find it, it does someone put them up for, for no charge so or no, does, no we we okay. help find funding we like give them funding essentially to um find affordable housing oh you so give, we give them funding oh mm-hmm. i love that so if we can't help them yeah. with housing through bruin shelter um, we try to work with students to make sure that they can find other accommodation. I was just thinking, it seems like your outreach could also be to people that have like a guest house or an open room that they could uh, take in one of these um, homeless students. I mean, obviously, uh, I mean, they're students. They're they're trying to make it in the world. They're trying to better themselves. It sounds like they would be, you know, great quality human beings because yeah. they're out there 
trying to create a better life for themselves, they just need a place to live, I would think there must be people out in the community that don't know that these that there are students that are homeless that need a place and they have an extra room or a guest mm -hmm. house or something. So it seems like that would be an important part of expanding your outreach too. Right. Yeah. I think, well, I think the biggest thing with sort of expanding is making a network and making that, yes. making it so that the, we're not the only organization dealing with this, that there yes. should be, there should be, you know, one housing at each crisis. One at each university or yeah, college. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and a, a community where this is something acknowledged and, that there's multiple resources for this. So I think that that's a big thing too, is that we've been working a lot with community leaders and you know, at all the different schools in Los Angeles to kind of say, here's what we are, please advertise this to your students. And you know, here's what we can offer you, here's information we can give if students come in and are struggling. Mm -hmm. And I think operating on that open source, like you know, offering all you have, there's really no nothing to gain in the nonprofit world from keeping things to yourself. Right. And with Lewis starting this organization and people like you perpetuating it and growing it, I feel like uh, you guys are the first ones to really put the conversation on the map. And mm -hmm. that's really groundbreaking and trailblazing. And uh, we'd like to uh, perpetuate that conversation by talking on shows like this one uh, and, and getting the word out there. And yeah. so uh, for people that are listening, I hope they visit BruinShelter.org, that they uh spread the word, that they donate to you all, mm -hmm. that they offer their places, uh, and they help you guys expand. Yeah, I hope other colleges uh, reach out and put programs into their own schools and that uh, one day soon uh, in the near future that there is a homeless shelter uh, put run by students for at every university and college in this country. Yeah, that's uh, the hope. Yeah, I mean, it seems like so uh, doable and it seems like so practical and uh, I, I hope that this really is perpetuating the conversation to make that come to fruition. And, I, and you know what I think it is? I think the most gratifying thing has just been the response from individuals, from people asking, how can I get involved? How can I be a part of this? And that's just been overwhelming. Um, and so that's been really exciting. You know, 70% of our donations are just from individuals. Right. And so that's just been a really, really rewarding experience is doing this seeing it help people and having the community sort of support us too. I love that. Is there a video on social media yet about the story of Lewis and this? Uh... Yeah, there's been several videos just oh, all good. about, you know, Bruin Shelter's origins and where we're at right now. Um, you can people visit can us. find it on YouTube? On, yeah, you can f find it on uh, YouTube. On You can visit us on Bruin Shelter on Facebook. And BruinShelter.org has all sort of our news and updates. I love it. Yeah. Well, good luck with your senior year. Thank you so much. Thank you for giving back and making a difference. <laughs> Women like you are what makes the world a better place. So <laughs> I really thank appreciate you. it. Thank and, you so much uh, for having me. I know you'll go on to do great things. I can't wait to see your film. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Well, we will be back next week with more fascinating people. And uh, just make it a great week. Uh, hugs and happiness.